in a world gone mad. The crazy people might just know what to do. Welcome to Mad Practice, sanity skills for crazy times. I'm JV. And I'm Cole. We're so glad you're here, wherever you think you are. Hi, Cole. Hey, JD. I'm so excited to be doing this. I am feeling triumphant that we figured out so much tech. I'm feeling like I'm coming into this like with a sense of, oh, I did something I didn't know I could do. Yeah, I hear you. So I think for each episode, just like our, our regular phone calls, we'll start with with a little check-in, um, but really just kind of like, I don't know, what, what have you been thinking about these days? What's What's been on your mind? Well, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about um, causes and conditions are like, that's something the Buddhists talk about. I, I, I don't qualify as one of those, but I think a lot about how each of us is so unique and we're trying to move through this world, trying to figure out what works for us. And I just feel at times like this swelling of compassion for all of us. And then at other times, really infuriated that everybody doesn't do it the way I wish they would. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I'm thinking a lot about that. Like I, and I do think a lot about this, like how can I be vigilant and responsible about my own particular brain and my own nervous system and and my own madness as it's perceived by other people i don't really experience as as madness inside myself but that i can have big reactions that i can have i can get overwhelmed with stimuli i can get like wow like all time feels like the same time and how can i just stay responsible to that and not slip into self-pity when it gets really hard <laughs> Yeah. I've been thinking about that. You? <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing that I've been thinking a lot about leading up to you and I starting this podcast and all the, the you know, long conversations that we've had going for a while and then the specific conversations about this is this concept from the writer Adrienne Marie Brown, who wrote Emergent Strategy and Pleasure Activism and... Uh, we will not cancel us. This phenomenal writer, uh, thinker, facilitator, person, um, and in their book *Emergent Strategy*, one of the the kind of core tentpoles of that idea is is this thought about uh, co-evolution through friendship, mm -hmm. and just what a force it is of finding the people that you're on a path with, and not being responsible for each other's paths, but being committed to each other. This sense of like commitment and accountability you know uh i feel like with you and i like you're not responsible for what i do uh but i do feel accountable to you you know when 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 i have a something that i'm trying to figure out like a really thorny situation or something super complex that i'm trying to be a part of and and we spend a few hours talking it through and you know i, I feel accountable to you after that um, and I'm going to come back to you and let you know how things are going. And and so that's not your responsibility, but it does feel like a commitment that we make to each other. So that's what I've been thinking about, you know, largely in the in the moment that we have right now of us launching this podcast about mad practice and emotions and our own lives. And yeah, 
Yeah, because that, that, that's great. And I love that Ada Marie Brown gave us that language for it. But what I was talking about earlier, it totally segues or weaves with what you're saying, right? Because sometimes, you know, when you have uh, neurodiversity or what gets called mental illness, although you'll, you know me, Cole, the head is connected to the neck is connected to the body. So this whole, it's just a mental illness thing doesn't really fly. But but the the work that it that it requires to be part of the world, you know, that vigilance I was talking about and that not wanting to live like a victim, wanting to participate, but it takes a lot sometimes. And I find that our friendship is um, helps me remember that why I do that. And it's like I can get recharged there. I can also be really truthful. I can't disclose everything that I'm doing in order to stay in a room full of lots of voices but I can with you, I can say, <laughs> you know, my own internal voices are super high today. I'm having trouble sorting through, but I got this big meeting and, you know, it's not, it, it, it is like, um, it isn't like giving advice. It's like sharing experience, you know, uh, and, and it's so much different. And I, I know that even peer relationships have been monetized by mental health, you know, places, but they they all go through this checklist of here's the things to ask and here's the reasons to meet and here's your honorarium. Whereas it is a co-evolution because we trusted each other. We tell each other more and more. We, um, and I think it ripples out. It's like this, this care web, which is a, another uh, idea that comes from uh, queer feminist disability justice uh, theory, right? Where you, we have to develop our own webs of care that, that it's not just about self-regulation anymore. It's about co-regulation. And so if you're lucky enough to find a friend along the road where um, you speak a very similar language, then that helps you, you know, move out. It'd be a higher evolved person in the world out there that is not going to, that is not built for you or doesn't give you everything you need. Yeah. Yeah. Should we dive into our emotion of the day? Oh my gosh. Yes. I know it's anger. <laughs> uh-huh. The definition of anger in the in the dictionary, like the like something like Webster's is like hilarious. It's like a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility as a noun, as a verb, I like those, I like those switch hitting words. Um, the verb is someone with anger, provoke anger in. The example is she was angered by his terse answer. <laughs> okay. And then, so we're also working off of, there's um, a, a Medium article called Expand Your Emotional Vocabulary. Uh, and we'll link to it in the show notes. It's this phenomenal article that you found that has over 300 emotions listed, That's right. uh, listed alphabetically with, with definitions. But even here, uh, and I think a lot of those definitions are pretty, pretty beautiful and succinct and accurate. But even here, the definition is anger, a strong feeling that is oriented towards some real or supposed grievance. Which again feels like, yes, that's what anger is, but it 
feels that also feels like an incomplete definition. It feels like anger is just one of those few bedrock emotions that are that are hard to define because so many other emotions are defined in relation to anger um or or as a subset of but it it's like one of the er emotions and and really hard to succinctly <laughs> define yeah and it's like it's like you know love you know it's like there there should be what at least a hundred words for love there should be at least a hundred for anger, you know, and it's like this, this very uh, individual experience, but also like they, it's one of those ones they ask you to rate all the time, like on a scale of one to 10, like, what is that? Who, what is my one to 10? What is your, I think I start at 10. Remember in the, what was that? Uh, the mockumentary, the rock group. The spinal. Yeah, rock. that turned it to the, 11. The, like, <laughs> JD's anger goes to 11. I think it goes it goes higher than that. It starts at 11. But yeah, I do appreciate the second definition, though, towards oriented towards some real or supposed grievance. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one because. Yeah, that's a that's a saucy <laughs> clarification. Right? Because a lot of things can happen in the mind, you know, a lot of, a lot of my work and my responsibility is, um, in, in a mind that, that doesn't, uh, it's not guaranteed that my thinking is following a rational line. So I have, that's one of the things I have to be super vigilant about is, is watching where I might be having a perception problem (laughs) and, and anger is one that, uh, I don't think it's just the mad who experienced this, right? I think it's like, you can you can end up telling yourself a story in your head about the smallest thing and by the end of the daydream or the you know the the mock conversation you've had in your head you really believe that person or that place or that is solely responsible for your unhappiness <laughs> and if you can bring them down in some way <laughs> yeah you yeah. will be happy again <laughs> Hey, I wonder, do we want to take a little sidestep and talk about madness and mad practice, mad culture? It, like, you know, it, it, and this is only occurring to me now, how we chose anger as the first uh, first emotion to explore, but how mad and angry are synonyms in, in some uses. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give us a little, just a little rundown from your from your understanding in place, what, what we mean by mad and madness? Yes. Yeah. So madness is um, sort of a reclaiming away from sort of pathology or um, psychiatry, not to say that we aren't involved in those systems, but it's kind of like a, it started mad pride, you know? So yeah, you've got these whatever, and some people call them this and some people call it that, but they are clustered around mental illness. And as a way of saying, that's not like something totally wrong with me that's going to prevent me from having a, a a full life. Instead, mad is a way of reclaiming that word and saying, I am, I have a unique little uh, beautiful brain here and I'm going to have to figure some things out. But because I've got this unique, beautiful brain, I'm also going to be able to offer, offer things that more rational minds not, might not. So it's a, it's a way, it's a, it's a reclaiming of a word and mad pride is, you know, coming together to celebrate that you're surviving and thriving, that your differences have, have place. And, and I really like the, 
I really like that it lines up with mad and anger because a lot of us have survived ineffective treatments, ineffective diagnosis, ineffective uh, stigma that has kept us away. So we've had to get mad again to say, I am worth it. I have a life worth living. And so mad practice is just this term that I've been using and you've been using about what, what is that practice? How, how do you move through the world with madness? And really, Cole, I think we're all mad. But, you know, if you happen to not have been diagnosed yet, well, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, JD. That's really great. It's, it's good context setting a bit and, and especially how it relates to anger, like in, in this conversation too, how anger is a misunderstood emotion in the way that I've deeply misunderstood anger. We had made a short list of emotions that we wanted to talk about, but we hadn't uh, really figured out until a couple of days ago what order we'll tackle these in. And doing anger first is a trip for me because I think anger is the emotion that I have the hardest time engaging with and the uh, most complicated kind of life relationship with. Mm -hmm. I think because all of my associations with anger are negative. Like I, I, uh, until relatively recently only associated anger with like violence and harm and destruction and aggression and, and trauma. Like those, like that's my, that, that had previously been my understanding of anger, my association or, or experience of anger. And so I'm very good at suppressing and not showing anger to the point where for years I told myself, I just like, that's just not a feeling I had. Like, I just don't get angry. And, and, and which is not true. Like, it's just not true. Like it can't possibly tr be true. It's, it's an essential emotion. We all feel it. And I think often it's, it's expressed in ways that, that do hurt people. And that's what I saw early on. And that's what I've run away from the whole time. And so anytime I've felt anger over the last 20 years or whatever, it's just pushed it. Like it's just, I just got so practiced at just like pushing it down, suppressing it, holding back, denying <laughs> it, ignoring it, and just letting it, letting it just like stew somewhere like behind my sternum. Uh, yeah. And, and so, and so that's been, that's been my historical experience with anger in part because that's helped a lot. Like there's, I don't think it's healthy, but there have been real benefits. Like so much of what we're talking about, there's like everything there's good and bad. There's pros and cons. Like is suppressing anger good? Like, yes, no, neither, both, sometimes, not always. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, and my experience is the opposite of yours that, uh, except that the beginnings were the same, that there was a lot of you know, um, uh, the beginnings are opposite. So there was suppressed, I, I grew up in suppressed anger and just the feeling and the, the smell of gasoline and don't anybody light a match. And I ended up expressing anger, uh, loudly, um, in, in rage, you know, holding it together and then running out of, and then it would surprise me like rage blackouts, you know, very, um, in fact, that was probably the first thing that was an indicator of there's something wrong with your brain, according to some people. And I had to learn the opposite. Like, why was that happening? And, and, you know, and, and then having it suppressed, you know, with 
you know, with uh, pharmaceuticals even, you know, to like, you know, you got, you can't do that. You can't, you're harming people, you're harming yourself. You're, and it, and it was so, such a, an odd experience in this particular form that I moved through the world in to be so angry was even more weird. And, and so I, I really learned this is a bad thing. And so when certain drugs were introduced to my system and it went away, unfortunately, so did my vitality, so did my excitement about life. And so it was like, wow, is that really my only solution? And, and then over the years, I had to become friends with my anger and much, much like you, even though we, we were at opposite ends of an imaginary spectrum, we both had to learn like, you know, in, I think one of the things that makes me so sad about the world is like, what, what we're allowed to do emotionally or what's okay is so narrow. And really, I think we're, you know, we need to express, we're expressive beings. I'm not saying that, um, like that I get to shout because that's my, that's what I go to, or that you get to be quiet because that's what you go to. But I am saying that what if, what if I did, what if I did leak a little bit and yell into a space? It doesn't, that's not all of me. That's not the most important thing about me, if it was understood a little more and people said, Hey, this is an indicator that you're a little upset. You want to, should we walk around the block? And for years I stayed out of spaces because I was so afraid that I was going to get anger and now angry. And now I'm so, I'm so friendly with my anger because it, it's, it has been with me because it was trying to tell me things too. And now I'd say our relationship is we're really good friends, but we still get confused about the difference between danger and fear. And so, so anger sits in the middle of that for me. And sometimes anger gets really big because the rest of me is perceiving danger. But if I can talk to my anger and go, mm, I think this is just a little fear. You're, you're okay. You don't have to roar. You don't have to go into the, the less evolved parts of your nervous system. But yeah, I'm not afraid of it as, as much as I used to be, but that's taken a really long time. And it's so important. It's, it's so telling us things that we need to know. A couple of things you said resonate with me. One is like, yeah, when I was suppressing anger, it's pretty hard to selectively suppress an emotion. Like you, like I really, you know, by suppressing anger, by whole, by like getting practice at holding, holding it in, not expressing, not, not finding a, an outlet or, or a way to share that. Uh, sure. I could do that, but I, that also involved suppressing sadness and delight and desire and surprise. And, and it's, it's, you know, I feel like emotional suppression is a pretty blunt instrument. It's just a big plunger. Like, and it's hard to choose, be like, actually these two and a half negative emotions, <laughs> that will, emotions that I think are negative. I'm going to, I'm going to knock those down, but it, that's not going to, that's not going to affect the rest of it. It's just not, it's just not true. But in the same way, I was, I think, not very comfortable with anger in myself. I was super not comfortable with anger in anyone else and would shut down, like, just shut down you know the other kind of <laughs> dumb thing I used to say about myself that I thought was <laughs> that I thought at the time was like a humble brag but I realized now it was, was like not awesome is, is I would also say like oh I never like with whatever 
relationship I was in, I was like, oh, no, we don't fight. <laughs> Which in a literal way, like we, we never scream at each other. We never shout or raise our voices because if a partner did raise their voice, I would just shut down and go totally unresponsive. Yeah. Which is which is not the same as saying we never fight because there's obviously other ways that people fight, and a good old practiced emotional suppressor will find super steely passive aggressive ways to fight all the time. But you guys get but, the hall pass. I just gotta say, you guys that that go into the ice cave, I gotta I gotta rant here as an angry person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys get the hall pass because it's the loud person who actually might be trying to bring something really important. But if the other person shuts down and goes away, it's always that yeller who's like, that's the problem. That's the unacceptable thing. And so the ice thing, I'm always like, that is just as bad. Not that we're out to say who's worse or who's better, but you know what I mean? It's just as destructive. It's just as hard to communicate with, but it doesn't get pathologized. It's like, you know, yeah. you can shut down and really, really hurt yourself and hurt others. I would argue to the same degree as getting when you yell at somebody, you, because you also hurt yourself. You're, I, I hate that feeling if I've lost it, especially on somebody I love. You know what I mean? So that's a really... Oh, yeah, yeah. Plus, you get the added bonus of feeling morally superior yes, to the other person. That's what I so mean by the hall pass. That's nice. Be like, well, you just get to go away going, you see, I didn't say anything. And therefore, good, wholesome, peaceful. <laughs> and the yeller is like, wow, they got a screw loose. They definitely yeah. got a screw loose. <laughs> and not even and not and like beyond just, you know, intimate relationships or, or like close personal relationships in in scenarios in groups in work in especially so my position often is in these community conversations or community organizing activist work i'm a, a super privileged person i'm a white straight guy who's in circles that are trying to combat patriarchy or sexism or ableism or racism or you know those kinds of things and so I have all of that privilege already. And then I'm also seen as calm, not as having the emotion of being calm, but like my, I have calm behavior um, because I'm just not showing any emotion. But these are volatile conversations <laughs> that folks who have the real lived experience that, that this group or this conversation or communities coming around to combat are, are charged up because... For a bunch of reasons, not for, for a bunch of reasons. It's personal. It's it's triggering. It's it's based on their lived experience, and I don't share that. And I'm not showing emotions in general. And so I can usually speak clearly. I can I can be analytical. So I can describe the logic of something, or I can describe a structure, or or offer solutions uh, because I'm calm and and thinking about the systems and working from within. You know, mm -hmm. and that's and that's I guess back to what I was saying, it was like, there are benefits, like I've reaped benefits from learning to suppress those emotions. Uh, but what I've lost. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. I just want to comment on that because it, it's, it's such a time where I think we have to allow anger. And one of the places you do see white privilege or um, ableist privilege show up, it's like 
in that comment. Like, why are they, they, whoever the they are, uh, sometimes I'm in the they and sometimes I'm not, why are they so angry? And there's this immediate, you know, you can't get mad. Well, of course, we don't want to do harm to each other. But if you have just been invited into a, a system or a place or a, I don't know, what else, uh, you know, a, a party, and you've never been invited to that before, and, and you have, for the, you're just getting to speak, you may not have all the nice, calm nuances of feeling like you belong or checking in with your nervous system or you might, you just, you're going to speak from the anger. And we need to make room for that, you know? So when we jump too quick to like, hey, let's call, I, I, I do, I think, I think it's Brene Brown who calls it rumble. I like grapple, but there is, there's something about, you know, and that being in that space as an ally, like you can be, and sometimes I am in different kinds of spaces. I think of it like the spotter on the trampoline, right? Or the, the, the one standing off to the side. And it's like, yeah, if someone tumbles into those hands, you have to, you know, try and keep people safe. But that's a real place where I think the the pathology of anger as a dangerous, bad, unhandleable thing shows up, like right now, because it, it, it you know, to to expect it to 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 already be, you know, like I'm thinking of like dross, you know, to already be alchemied into wisdom is we can't. We can't, we can't, what a, what a terrible expectation. And so if someone loses it in a meeting, everybody panics and it's like, well, let's just talk to that person who lost it, whatever that means. And let's check in with them and check in and make sure that, you know, the, the person who got yelled at doesn't maybe feel, isn't taking it personally. And if they are, what can we do? And that the person who yelled yelled for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some, and like having, you know, if I could befriend anger better, I feel like I would be more able to understand the impacts of anger and when, and the, yeah, the, diff, the different sources, the different ways of expressing in the way that like, so if all anger is bad, then, then that's, that's actually pretty easy to do because then you just shut it down and that's, and like someone yells once, someone flies off the handle. Uh, that's great. They're out. Like they're, it's not safe. They're, they're not a safe person to have and you can just cut them out. But having a, a more nuanced comfort with engaging with anger can, can give you, or I, I can see giving me a better chance to actually understand when, when the anger is okay. And when it's not, because there are still times where where anger is going to like is used uh, or fuels abuse or harm. Yeah, of course. You know what I think it is called? It's it's it, it's the us and them thing, right? So you had to learn the consequences of suppressing your anger. I had to learn the consequences of um, not being able to control it. And the nuances in there are that we all have to make room for anger that, that it, you know, is, is not in a harming way, but to understand that it's before the thoughts, it's biological. And we all share that, you know, when you talk about co-evolution, we all share that a nervous system that was built, you know, three big pieces sort of built on top of each other. We still have the first nervous system man ever had, and then the second one, and then the third one. And some of us just 
move quick quicker through those. And and I've had to learn self-regulation, but I tell you, I do a lot better when I'm in a situation where I feel like if I did leak, I would have support. I I I have, you know, many friendships where I say, hey, if I'm getting too loud or you notice I'm this or I'm that, I'm off today. I'm not on top of my could you could you tell me, could you just come over and touch my elbow? I have a joke one, pass me a Popeye candy cigarette, um, offer for a coffee break. Like there's all kinds of strategies I have with really close friends, but I don't want to reveal that to everybody. And lots of times I'm in a situation where I'm I'm just new there and the people are new there. But I, I, I think that if you've had to examine your own anger, either from suppression or leaks, what I call them leaks, you, you start to have more compassion that everybody has it. And I think a lot of people, Cole, who, who never yell, for example, don't think that's in them. You know, like you're awakening to, oh, just because I didn't yell didn't mean I wasn't angry, didn't mean I was, you know, not doing things to manipulate things the way I wanted. And so really the thing is, can we be honest about how we're feeling? And in so many of these spaces, we have all these rules. Let's keep it safe. But no one's talking about their emotions. So we're talking about these really convoluted, difficult things. And no one is taking a breath and going, wow, I'm feeling so confused and scared and silly right now. We don't do it. We might have a check-in and then we get into it. I don't even think many times we even take a break. Or, or, or you imagine someone going, I'm going to just uh, pause here because I feel like I might yell and I'm going to just take 10 deep breaths. You can join me or not. <laughs> Smoke out the window, do whatever you got to. But I, I feel like, and not, not what you sometimes hear, oh, the room is getting heated. But what I wish I heard was I feel in me some reaction coming up through my chest and I don't want to react to what's being said, but this is, this means I've gone into my less primitive, my more primitive nervous system. (laughs) And so one of the things I do there is fight you. So I'm going to, I'm going to go and get a sandwich and you know, we'll all come back in 15 minutes and see like, like if that came from the person supposedly in charge, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Or and then I feel like there's, you know, often sometimes where I can see anger working when I'm not afraid of it or or I don't shut down in the face of it is is in, you know, in conversation with someone who's angry about something else, some injustice, some shitty situation, some problem. And and I can see their anger being channeled and not and not in a way that like, uh, diffuse it not not like self-diffusing not not like trying to divert it at all but just like focusing it and channeling it and to to make something happen something that isn't harmful that's galvanizing and bringing people together like there's a lot of that that i see i see a lot of that really productive anger i guess that that's not a term that i love but that's what i'll use for now like in activist circles or in community organizing that i really admire and really see it as a as a, a like a, a real force, and and sometimes on in some spaces with some groups, yes, like you also have to be like, now is not the time for my righteous anger to to move this this group forward. 
Um, but that's the co-regulation thing that I'm talking about, right? Like, to me, it's like, absolutely. I don't want my anger to harm others, you know, and, and, and I really have had to work hard to accept that fact that if I leak, despite my best intentions and I harm another, I'm completely responsible for that, regardless of neurodiversity, regardless of traumatic past, whatever. I'm still responsible for, for that harm, you know, reasons, not excuses. So then I've got to kind of commit myself to, you know, doing that accountability work that we talk about. Right. So it's like, okay, I got to reflect. I got to, I got to make an amends. And this is uh, Mia Mingus's um, accountability framework. I got to reflect. I got to um, make my amends. I got to do the repair work, which isn't a one shot deal. And then I got to change my behavior. So, so in that instance, it's like, you know, around mental health and mental illness, that anger of how inadequate the systems are, they do some things well, they, they don't answer, they answer mostly to crisis. So you got to be in crisis to even access. And there's so many other things that would help and are needed that I can't change the whole system, but I could write that show certified, which is about turning the audience into a mental health review board and using humor and getting them to decide whether or not I'm crazy in that moment. I can get different ideas about mental illness out that way. That's entirely fueled by anger. But I couldn't have done that if I didn't have good friendships like this, when I can, when I can, I have someone I can call, many friends I can call and say, I can't navigate the world right now. Like it's unfair and I'm, I'm struggling and then have that, what gets called peer support, but really love, care web, understanding. But if we don't, if we don't understand that, it, it, you said it earlier, Cole, that anger is not good or bad. It just is. And if we don't know how to be with it, then we are going to harm others or ourselves or pretend we don't have it. Or if someone loses it once, they're gone, canceled, forget it. But when this is so sad, because if a person, you know, in my own personal experience, like uh, people who aren't used to losing it, who lose it, are, are so surprised that they had that capacity. And often they're the people that are, have been working all these years on a particular thing. And then it's like, you are gone. And that's why it, 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 this compassion part, like it isn't just crazy people who get mad out loud, this mm -hmm. division, right? It's like, it's like hurt people hurt people. And we've all been hurt and some of us more than others. And if we can't talk about that without understanding that mm, maybe someone's going to get really mad sometime and maybe we're going to have to figure out how to share the skills that the privileged few get in therapy and or being able to afford mental health things that not everybody can, then we're not going to get anywhere. We really aren't going to get anywhere unless we're like, oh, this is the human experience. You know, that's, that is the co-evolution of our friendship is, is the more and more we trust each other, the, the things I would tell you about me, or you would tell me about you. And neither one of us was going, huh, that's so surprising. It was more like, oh, that's another, like the, the idea of Cole as a full human emotional being is expanding.
Because you still, you do always look calm, I have to say. <laughs> Very calm. Uh, well, I think it is, it is, um, so, you know, that's, that's a, a, a way to think of how we are with other people, like we're people through other people, through our relationships. And then in a totally self-centered way, there's just richness to life, the rich, like the rich range of, of emotions. We, we, we'll link to this list of 300 emotions because it's gorgeous. And it's so interesting to think of these different ways of building up this kind of emotional vocabulary that just gives you a, a different awareness, gives you deeper awareness and, and frames for how you're feeling. And so, yeah, shutting off this sense of anger was was involved with shutting off a lot of things. I used to like for a long time, like good news would give me a stomach ache because it was a it was a strong emotion, you know, like I would get this like message that I, you know, was uh, like uh, I had a, a play published, you know, and that was it was the first first it was a dream country. I was going to have a book. It was going to be published. I could go to the library and Yay. see it. It was so great. And I was like nauseous. Yeah, it, it just gave me such a stomach ache because it was such a strong emotion that my body was just like, Ooh, we're getting a little hot here. Let's, let's, let's shut it down. Let's, let's, let's bottle up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love? Did you say stomach ache? Yeah. Like it's, it's just so, it just made me see you as really little, like, you know, like, and I get stomach aches too, emotional stomach aches, but I just, you know, it's like, it's like something from, our childhoods, you know, like you just get a, like Santa Claus, forget it. Who started that, by the way? Like, let's just lie. Let's just set you up, kids, for this big slice of reality that turns out to be a lie. See what your brain does with that. Like, we just, we're going to give you one schism to start <laughs> with, and then you'll collect others as you go. But we're going to get you started on the Santa Claus thing. But the stomach aches I would get on Christmas Eve, oh my God. The anticipatory, that is the best morning. You know, now I don't even celebrate that day, but as a kid, yeah. oh my, you know. And so when you said that, just like good news, stomachache, that should be in the 300. Uh, we, we'll have to keep track of our own emotions. I think that's that somehow should be in that list, Cole. Good news, stomachache. Yeah. On the list of emotions. <laughs> do you feel, do you feel anger? You talked about behind your sternum. Do you feel it in a certain way in your body? Yes, I very specifically. I feel what I, I can now call anger. For years, I called frustration. That was the strongest. That was the closest I would <laughs> get to describing anger in myself. Me like just really frustrated with this person or this situation. Good news comes in my stomach. Anger is right in my sternum. Like, what's anxiety but anxiety is such a bad term for me because it's such a it's such a catch-all of things but um fear fear and anger mixed together go straight across my chest and and tighten up and yeah and sadness is is in my head like sadness like not not intellectually like physically in my head like on my brow on my eyes uh-huh like a weight or a sensation of weight interesting yeah sad brow yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anger for me is, well, I mean, that's one of the things I had to learn, right? Was how, how does it come in my body first so that I could kind of learn, and I'm still learning this, like how to know 
what's happening. It does. It's not the thoughts first, actually. It's my body. But because I'm a trauma survivor, I, 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 I was disconnected to my body for years. I didn't even know that I wasn't in it. So now it's like the learning is, where do you feel anger? Where do you? I'm like, are you what? Yeah, go back to your body. Your body is your home. It's like, no, no, no. That is not my home. I that's not even my neighborhood. Like, I'm not. What are you? And so, uh, different kinds of anger. I would have many different words for anger. Feel differently. So I have that sternum. But when I'm flooded, so sometimes it can happen really fast. Do you drink coffee? Yes. <laughs> okay. So do you know when you've had too much coffee, you you knew you knew it was going to happen, but you've passed the peak where it's happening in your brain and you just keep going. So a flood of anger will be like, I have suddenly had 12 cups of coffee and I am literally shaking. I, I, I'm like covered in bees. Yeah. I am just, it's so obvious. And even then I have been known not to recognize that feeling. <laughs> It's not subtle, you know, it's not subtle with me, but, but I am learning that connection. Right. And that's, again, when I say the head is connected to the neck is connected to the body. This is new learning. This was not presented to me as an option of dealing with my anger in, in decades past. It was not like, well, have you heard of the nervous system? Did you know you move <laughs> up and down it all the time during your day? What do you know? You still have the the one the fish had, the one the turtle has, when the turtle goes in. Do you know you still have that one? It's like, what? <laughs> Fight or flight, you know, freeze, contentments, that that's all biology that we all have. And we're, we're completely separated from it. We're, 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 if it's a mental thing, we're up in our heads. Yeah. Like crazy, man. That's what's crazy. <laughs> I think I just went to the 60s there, but I'm pretty happy about it. Crazy, man. You know? <laughs> okay, now let's turn to some field notes where we share a little, little anecdote, a little story, a little moment or reflection from our days. JD, why don't, why don't you share a field note today? Well, you know, during these times of being extra pent up. So lots of times when you're a mad person, you, you do have to isolate for the good of all. <laughs> so isolating from the world at large is not something I'm a stranger to, but different ways I deal with it have been rendered uh, null and void. But this weekend, I, I, I really like, I've always liked the feeling of escape. So I've had a, I had a really kind of intense and wonderful, but definitely very heavy uh, work, uh, work week in terms of uh, community activism. And so I convinced my grown-up daughter to take a fake road trip with me, because normally we would take lots of road trips in a year, but, you know, right now we're not supposed to leave our health district. And so it was a fake road trip. It was condensed. It was slightly illegal. And we just took the back roads from Vancouver to Hope. So it sounds like a Hallmark movie, Back Roads to Hope, but <laughs> what it involved really was us getting coffee and um, breakfast sandwiches, and then a playlist that we could sing along to like Heart and <laughs> um, what else was that? Stevie, Stevie Winwood, um, 
some goldie oldies that she kind of grew up with on my, we didn't call it playlist then, but my CD collection. And we just drove through all these little towns that we weren't going to stop at because we didn't want to cause terror. But it felt like we traveled very far. It was, in fact, only 120 kilometers. But because it's spring on the West Coast, there was rain, hail, slush, blue skies, rain again. So it was just this way of, with apologies to Mother Earth and and all the climate change that we're very really in, it was just like driving is a type of meditation for me and singing out loud and being with love, like someone who loves you so much, you can just, like this is how much my daughter loves me. She gave me a, a mustache that she made out of real human hair for Mother's Day. <laughs> Like that, I, that's the only, that's just the, you know, the story, but you know, and then we ate A&W on the way back and it was just like one of those things, like it really was that stressful. And so I highly recommend the mini road trip, you know, pretending that you're gone longer. Yeah. That was my, my field. Uh, my self anthropology notes this week was like, sometimes you just got to remember you can get out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not always bad. You can get out. And it's not always going to be like this, which is a very important field note that I keep for myself and write often. It's not always going to be like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna take that. That's really great. You know, one of the things I've really been mourning or missing is in our COVID times where, uh, so I'm from, or I live in Calgary. I'm from Lethbridge, which is about two hours away. And that's where my mom is and my siblings and nieces and nephews. We went down last September, September, 2020. And it was my mom's birthday. I took my daughter and <laughs> my family and Lethbridge is, it was in a different situation than Calgary. There was, you know, at the time, I think 12 active cases and my family were were a little were a little more relaxed than I was about COVID, and we were gonna eat outside, but then it was a little windy, and so we were eating inside. And I remember the time being like, "Oh, this is this is the last time we're coming down for a long time," and we haven't we haven't been back since. But that ride from Calgary to Lethbridge, where we're in southern Alberta, we leave the city, uh, especially the the south third of lethbridge i find it's just it's just sprawl and it's ugly and it's you're on like a 10 lanes of of mcleod trail and you're just driving past malls in construction and it's just <laughs> there's very little beauty that you're driving past and then you leave and you're in the prairies and it's just all farmers fields and the mountain range like the rockies are on your right and canola fields are on your left and it's open skies and it's usually not very cloudy inside and it's just such a it's such a mood and it's so good and I haven't had it in months and months and months and months and I miss it a lot and it's a really lovely reminder that that landscape is still there you know my car is still out there my daughter's still here with me and even if we're not going to see Nana we could we could still go for a go for a spin that's a really nice suggestion Now let's talk about our nervous system. Is that is that going to work, JD? Oh yeah, I was just laughing because I've been talking about it. Yeah, like let's like talk. this is you can tell this is like a this is a fairly fresh learning for me. This was a round of 
learning that I was privileged to have in a group that was, you know, they just know more about trauma now than when, you know, when I first started getting diagnosed and treated and, and then was looking for alternative ways to, to stay with myself and to stay here, you know, but now like this whole polyvagal theory. So this nerve that runs all the way, big nervous nerve system that runs all the way through your body. Right. And I think I've talked about it a little bit, but you know, the nervous system is kind of like in evolution, we still have the three parts we've always had. Like our most evolved part is, you know, what they call the ventral vagal. And that's when we're feeling pretty okay. A part of, we're moving through the world. We're able to deal with what comes at us. You know, we're, it's okay. It's life on life's terms kind of thing. And then if we get something surprises us or we get disturbed in any way, often we'll sink into the the middle one called the sympathetic nervous system. And that's where we fight or flight. And so for some people, that's, you know, that's where you, you find yourself arguing, even though you're trying to stay connected to a person because you don't, I don't really know what's happening. So then I'm like trying to stay connected, but yet I'm, I'm upset. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. So I'm trying to keep myself safe. And if that doesn't work, then I go into the, the one that the turtle has, which is the dorsal, which is either disassociation or like freeze. Right. And so these, these, this idea that mental illness is just in our heads, literally and uh, humorously is just so wrong (laughs) because, you know, I've said it for years, but, but this is true. Like if I can, if I can accept that that's what, that's what happens for me, that's what happens for everybody. And that it might happen in a bigger, faster way for me. And that the the goal is never going to be for me to have the well-regulated nervous system of a person who never went through any trauma, has a very rational relationship to their emotional life. That's never going to happen to me. No medication, no nothing. But if I can accept that I fire fast and that I go through these (laughs) three places quite quickly, then I can actually stay and understand what's happening, you know? So I, I'm just a big believer in getting the word out there that what are we talking about when we're talking about mental illness, you know? what? Yes, a brain that works differently, but also a nervous system that fires differently. You know, we, we don't learn about the biology. They don't sit you down and go, oh, you're depressed? Um, mm-hmm. So how do you experience, where is sadness in your body? Where it's not that it's not real, Depression is, as we both know, very real and painful, but to not have any connection in our, like to not use all that the body and the mind can give us. Right. So yeah, that's my, uh, my PSA is like to, to, so that we all are motivated to keep learning how all these miraculous systems work in us so that when they're not working, we're not, we're not saying there's something wrong with me. It's just the they're working, they're telling us something. And almost always it's like, you got to slow down. You got to take care. You got to, this is what's happening for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my experience of, of like prolonged depressive episodes is primarily physical. Like it's, uh, we, my wife and I used to have a code that I would use called werewolf where, (laughs) where I would just, I would uh, like, yeah. And, and this, there's one long stretch or so of six months or so that I can, I'm thinking about in particular where I would just tell her I'm werewolfing, which was our code to be like, I'm physically shut down. 
and I'm going to go lie in the basement for a number yeah. of hours. And I just can't parent right now. I can't be super, like, I just can't stand up. I'm just going to go lie down in the dark while, while I'm aware. And like, and, and the idea of werewolfing came from trying to put words to this like physical possession that I felt mm -hmm. like it felt mm -hmm. like I was physically possessed by this thing that was changing my body. And rather than, you know, howling and running through the forest, I would just go comatose for a bit and just lie down and do yeah. and, and feel like I couldn't possibly get up. It wasn't an emotional experience for me as much as it was just a, a, just a physical collapse or a physical kind of possession of this, of this mode. Well, yeah. And in the same way that I get flooded, you know, often quickly, you know, if I can recognize that's what, ha that's what's happening, not judge it, understand that that means I gotta, I'm overstimulated. So I'm a very sensitive person. That's not a bad thing, but sometimes I can, you know, it's hard to explain to fully rational people that the shape of the mud puddle and the song I was listening to and the last conversation and then I came around the corner and saw a particular shade of yellow and I was flooded. I can't rationalize how I got there in that moment. I just have to know I'm there and I have to have the humility, which is the hard part to go. I'm flooded. I got to go be by myself. I got to <laughs> go werewolf or I got, for me, it's like, I think it's Frankenstein. I think I'll, I'll say Frankenstein because it's electrical charges and it's like, clearly the, the parts aren't working. The voltage was wrong. Just go be by yourself. And the problem is that uh, if I, if I don't let myself do that, I can wreak havoc. So, but it takes a, a kind of humility to go, I've got to, I've got to leave this situation. I'm flooded people close to me. I'm still struggling to be able to use those words. I'm flooded. I'll see you in a bit, go and take care of myself, which sometimes is in the bathtub without any water. This <laughs> is the only place I can feel sort of like contained. Yeah, yeah. And then if I feel the, you know, the electricity come down a bit, then I'll put water in. But it actually feels like I'm so, you know, vibrating that I, if I put the water in, you know, I might, it might be like if you drop a toaster in the water, which it would kill me. So, but, but it is this. Like what, what you said that really struck me, Cole, too, is it's not about getting better. It's about getting better with, right? It's like, it's about getting better with staying with whatever state is there. And that co-regulation that we can happen with a, with a lovely family or a, a chosen family or a, or a friend circle where that's just known and accepted. It's like, right, Cole's werewolfing, JD's Frankensteining, <laughs> everything will be all right. Yeah everything will be all right. You know, we're going to just, and, and to, and to offer that kind of self-care and exit for everyone, you know, not just extreme states. I think we had to discover those things because they're more extreme, but I think everybody has that need. Everybody has, and, do, and doesn't let themselves because if, if we don't finish that piece of work, if we don't, you know, it's so hard to really just be like, wow, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And I, I, I really need right now. There's a saying that I, uh, I picked up somewhere, um, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. And sometimes it's that basic. 
I haven't eaten, I'm angry, I'm lonely, or I'm tired. Can I take care of those things? That's making my perception off. So yeah, really super interesting. The, the body representation, Cole. <sighs> Thank you for listening. If our brains are making sense to your brains, there are a couple of ways you can help us out. Connect us with more people. If there are folks in your life who you think would enjoy spending some time with us, please pass this along to them. And, and I know you hear it on every podcast, but liking, subscribing, reviewing on whatever platform you're listening to makes a huge difference, especially in these early days. And if you'd like, you can support us with a little bit of money on Patreon. Just visit patreon.com slash madpractice. Big thank yous to Camille Craig for producing and composer Dana Ayotte for our fabulous theme song. If you'd like to learn more about us or our work, head to madpractice.org and chat with us on Twitter and Instagram. But most importantly, take care of yourself and each other. Love you, Cole. Love you, JD. Love you, Cole. Love you, JD. Well, 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 I think we just recorded our first podcast, JD. I think we did, my friends. Double dare, double dog dare you.